don't do too much because your boulders are naughty. <laughs> naughty boulders. <laughs> Hi there, uh, welcome back to another episode of Ask Lattice. Me and Ollie here again, sat on our lovely Lattice sofa. And I don't, are we joined by Finn the dog today? No, Finn's not here, so Finn's my dog. And he's that little fluffy thing that just kind of walked past last time. But uh, yeah, he had a big day yesterday, so he's at home just chilling out. All right, so he's not joining us for training chat? Uh, not today, he doesn't offer very much in terms of training chat. Ah, okay, fair enough. He will make another appearance though, if you request it. Yeah, he'll be waddling around, won't he? Yeah. Um, so today, we're gonna do a um, set of questions. We're a little bit more focused on structuring your training. We had loads of you asking these types of questions on the Facebook community page. And uh, they're a bit more about just, yeah, basically structuring, how to put your training together, types of training sessions, how they combined, um, and some questions around fatigue as well. So shall we? Yeah, yeah. So I think at this time of year is when we start to see a lot of questions about this. Mm -hmm. So um, for me personally, I'm one of those people that finds if you do something new or you're in a new phase, it's really good to get everything going from the start. So 2020, new year, new you. Uh, make sure you plan it out really well yeah. so that in the spring you can actually climb as hard as possible. Okay, so first question is, uh, and this is a really good one actually because there's a lot in this question, is all about whether we should be training, training short, so training multiple sessions across the day. So that might be, for example, a 45 minute session in the morning and 45 minutes in the evening, or should we be doing like lots of people that we know where they do three, four, five hour long sessions and get really fatigued, but still doing some quite intense work at the end of the session? Yeah, when we get asked this, it's kind of always depends on what the person needs to do themselves around their lifestyle. Um, but I think what's really interesting is like me and Tom have had the opportunity to do in the past is when you get a professional climber or someone who isn't currently working and they say, look, I've got seven days of the week, 24 hours in the day. Um, I do have this family life to work around, but generally I'm quite flexible. What's my ideal scenario? So I think if we work from the ideal scenario backwards, that could be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good way to hook because I think all of us at Lattice here, um, whether someone is a professional athlete or uh, someone has a job, we're very much of the opinion that the kind of the top of the priority chain in terms of training is the ability to put really good quality into the session. And what I think is important to note here is that it's physical quality and it's mental quality because we have loads of people that are really quite fatigued from heavy jobs, stressful lifestyles, and they may have the physical ability, but they, also, but they can't put the mental capacity into it. So being able to split across the day and do shorter sessions where you feel fresher physically, so you can put high intensity in, but we have those clients who can also take some time out and not exhaust themselves over three hours, and they can just put short, sharp hits in with good intentional effort is a really good way to go, I think. Yeah, so if, if you've got a relaxing middle part of the day, I think the ideal scenario would be to train in the morning whenever you're ready, uh, whether that's 11 or 8 a.m., depending, and then having like a long break in the middle and then having another quality session in the evening. Personally, I think that three sessions a day is sometimes a little bit too much because you're not going to get that quality recovery period in between the sessions. 
and those two sessions generally should be a different stimulus. So it might be strength in the morning and then a slightly different stimulus, whether that's anaerobic capacity in the evening. Um, doing strength and strength is possible, but generally because it's going to be climbing specific movements using the same muscle groups, that doesn't tend to work quite as well for those adaptations. The only uh, counterintuitive part of that is if you did something basic in the morning like board sessions, so really hard pulling, really hard uh, just physical power and strength, and then do more competition style bouldering in the evening, which is more coordination and technique based. Um, because then it means you're still going to be working at high intensity bouldering still, but two different sort of aims of those sessions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that would be like the ideal scenario. And like Tom said, if you've got that gap in the middle uh, where you've not got that sort of mental fatigue going on, then that's totally fine. If you have a job or anything where you feel stressed out, um, or even just sort of looking after family and being really busy, that second session is always going to become more compromised because you're going to have that mental fatigue going into it. So that second session should just be reducing the intensity by quite a bit if you're still trying to do a split session. It is possible. Um, I personally have friends that have been get, getting up at 4.30 in the morning training, then sorting his kids out, then going to work, uh, then coming back, sorting his kids out again for dinner and then training in the evening. And uh, even though John Proctor's a bit of a hero on that, um, <laughs> I, wouldn't, say him. I wouldn't say many people can get that done. So if you have the ability, it's great. But you really need to think about this mental fatigue going into the second session. Yeah, I think that's, that's just such a... It's an unsaid item that a lot of people don't always discuss. And um, it's really important to be yeah, very aware of that mental side of it going in as well. Um, don't also, don't uh, forget as well, with your, um, if you're going to split your sessions across the day, is that if you are expecting to come back and perform better in the second session or, or perform well in that second session, make sure you're fueling and recovering adequately between those two sessions. Uh, don't start at the beginning of your work day, work six hours really hard at your desk, consume nothing at all, and then expect to perform really well at the end of the six hours. You've got to get some food in as well to recover from that energy depletion that occurs after that first session. So really key as well. Um, the the two sessions a day actually is, I would only do that in a base phase. As you, as you go in towards peak, uh, where you're wanting to be fresher and feeling better, drop it to one session in each day as well. Because I think those two sessions are going to be trying to make the adaptations while going into the peak phase, you want to be fine-tuning everything you've already built up in the base phase. So uh, great to do two sessions and build into just one as you want to come to perform when the conditions are really good. Um, mm. So that's two sessions a day. Well, if we're just doing one session a day, I think this depends on what you're trying to train and what you feel most comfortable doing. Um, personally, I would rather train more frequently throughout the week, so four or five days a week, but do shorter, sharper sessions. Um, generally, because I'm quite mentally fatigued and an hour and a half, two hours into a session, I'm generally pretty drained and I'm not climbing very well. So for me, it's better to do more sessions in a week. And I know a lot of clients also think the same. Um, but I know you quite like really long, hard sessions. Yeah, so, so if, I suppose it's a really tricky answer because there's lots of advantages to splitting these sessions out across the day, but there's also some advantages to bulking it all together and doing very long sessions, aside from that obviously it's really efficient for people's time. If you can just say, I have these three hours in the day to train and you try and slam it all into that block. But the 
the one advantage which I think is very important, particularly for route climbers, is it gives you the capacity or the ability to be able to train or, or, or perform more fatigued. And that's because you're training in a more fatigued state more frequently. So your body adapts to being able to perform in that kind of environment. And it's a bit like taking uh, sort of the, like the racehorse scenario in that someone can only perform when they feel absolutely amazing. They're so finely attuned that they can only pull out those maximum efforts when they feel amazing. But actually, if you look at very good route climbers, they're capable of pulling out very good efforts when they're actually quite fatigued. And obviously some of it's mental, but a lot of it's also physical and getting the muscles to fire in that manner when they are, they have a level of, sort of pre-fatigue. And if you think about big wall climbers, multi-pitch climbers, or people that are just going on very long trips where they just want to climb everything, it's, it, is, it is valuable. And it's I'd useful. say competition climbers as well should yeah. get put into that bundle because a lot of competitions, it's one or two days, and you're going to end up climbing quite a lot of blocks or moves in the end of this, uh, the end of the competition. So yeah, that session fatigue is quite a big one, and once again, it's something that I think you can build up over time. And a lot of people that I have climbed with, and a lot of climbers that we've worked with, that tend to be able to keep going and work routes or problems for a much longer period, do tend to do longer sessions. So I guess it's depending on what sort of you want to do and what time you have. Um, you could always mix it up. I mean, a lot of runners do this. So um, a good running strategy would be to do a couple of short runs throughout the week in the evenings after or around work and then doing a long run on the weekend. And climbers, there's no reason we can't do the same. So short, sharp sessions in the week, that high quality. And then on the weekend, when you've got a bit of time, go for that really long session, whether it's indoors, outdoors, on a project or just training and just try and get your work capacity up and get used to those sessions because that's what you're actually going to do when you go outside and try to perform. Yeah, well, that, um, that kind of um, fits well in with the, the next question we've got, which is around how do we manage or what do we think is the best way to manage workload during the week? And by that question, it's a lot of people asking, should I bulk and slot a lot of my uh, training effort at the beginning of the week? and spread out the easier work later in the week? How should I uh, sort of combine my rest days and work days? What's the kind of ideal way to do this? A broad question, very broad yeah, question. Yes, very broad question. Um, so I think I've said this on previous episodes. I think the first key element is when and, well actually where are you gonna train and who are you gonna train with? Mm. And that should become the priority sessions based around that. So if you have a regular training partner on a Wednesday and you know that certain sessions work well with them, I think that becomes your first priority in planning your week out. Uh, the same with if you go to a different climbing wall that makes you a little bit more enthusiastic and there's more problems to go at or there's harder things for you to try, um, that's also another reason to prioritise that part of the week because you're going to get the most out of that session. Uh, there's nothing worse than doing... One of the really hard fun sessions at the start of the week in a less ideal facility uh, and somewhere on your own and then later on when you're with people that you get really psyched by and you're in a great place and you do one of the sessions which you kind of end up on your own anyway and you're a little bit bored or you don't really want to be there so prioritize the people and the place first yeah i think that's yeah that's a good point and it, and it will it will generally work quite well doing that the other 
part of this is that, um, as Ollie says, prioritizing things, and that requires some kind of planning. And I think that a good strategy to take for each week is to take your, your, your time, so how much time do you have across the week, and then also, as climbers, take the weather and look at your five, seven-day weather forecast. And at the beginning of the week, plan or, or look at both of those ahead and then match your climbing and training habits with your time available and the weather conditions you have because there's so, you get so much more out of sessions, whether it's indoors or outdoors, if you can make your time match up and you can make your conditions match up. There's nothing worse than planning all of your time and energy effort to be perfectly in sync for Saturday and you didn't bother to check the weather four days beforehand that there was no, never going to be any good conditions on Saturday and it was all on Sunday. You've got to kind of plan ahead a little bit. So I would say it's time and it's conditions and, and getting those two sorted out with your week. There isn't any secret, secret formula other than being you know, well rubber covered for sessions and putting good quality in. There isn't a one-on-one-off or two-on-one-off. There isn't a secret formula, I would say, is there? No, not really. I mean, everyone seems to work slightly differently. Um, if everything, if all the places, the time and the conditions are all sorted, um, a good method is just to go for the, the harder sessions that you really want to do and you think are the key adaptations that you're trying to achieve. Make those at the start of the week or the start of, uh, say, if you do two-on-one-off, that should be the first day of training. Um, because that's when you're most mentally and physically able to do them. So any high quality board sessions or bouldering, that might be a good time to do that. Mm. Or in for me, it'd be aero power in that time because I hate being pumped. And uh, if such, I'm you're such a boulderer, yeah, I, I can't get out of it. So if I'm going to be pumped, I need to go into it feeling psyched and fresh. I don't want to be second day on, slightly sore skin. I've already climbed the day before. My fingers might be a little bit creaky for being on a board. And then I'm trying to get really boxed and actually fight it. I know I'll get much more out of that session if I prioritize that aspect of it. Um, but once again, it all depends on what works for you. And I think skin is an important part of this. So um, I know a lot of people that suffer from skin doing multiple days in a row. So if you're going to go on the second day, make sure that you're climbing on holds or movements, which you can still really try hard on. Mm. Okay. Um... Again, you've built, you've built in well to the next question here, Ollie. Anyone would think that you knew what was coming up in the questions. I wish I could read it, but your writing is not bad. the best. Yeah. Um, so the next question is um, ordering of sessions. So do we put fingerboard sessions first, followed by uh, power endurance, followed by uh, endurance sessions? Should we put anaerobic capacity sessions before general strength and conditioning sessions. How do we order our sessions throughout the day and what is our, our general thought process on this? So if we go for both just the session itself and then we should answer the sort of split session question as well. So um, firstly, if you're doing anything really highly intense on your fingers, then you need to do a really thorough warm up, and then that should become the first part of the session. Uh, because that's going to be probably the highest rate of injury coming from just movements on your fingers, particularly catching holds quickly and engaging at a high intensity. So max hangs, for instance, on a fingerboard, you should never, ever leave that till later on in the session because that's the easiest way to get injured because you don't want to pre-fatigue before high intensity strength uh, or power training, particularly on uh, structures which are more likely to be injured. Yeah, it's the, it's the finger thing, which is... Um, <clears throat> 
so important here is that because they're essentially more, more delicate structures, uh, you want to make sure that that very high intensity finger work is done as an absolute priority. And when we see people do that a lot more, they have better results from their training and they all see their injury incidence rate go down. What's interesting about the larger muscle groups and when we're coming on to things like your general strength and conditioning work that you might do with some weights work or on the floor or on a bar is you can actually leave these to later in the sessions because they're not as heavily fatigued by climbing specific work. So think of it being very climbing specific high intensity work at the start of sessions, but the, the less climbing specific generalized strength and conditioning work can be placed at the end of the sessions. It's not saying they must be at the end, but they can be placed at the end and you will still see really high quality within those sessions if you order it in that way. And the big thing for us is that if you've got good quality in those sessions when you're following them and you feel like you can operate at maximum or close to maximum, then you've made the right choice. It's when you're thinking, I know that normally I can do this when I'm fresh, but I'm 50% off the pace, that's the time when you shouldn't be doing this really intense work. You're clearly too tired and you're not working at the right intensity to achieve the aims that you set out for in that session. So that's, that's really important. So yeah, I get asked that a lot about when do I fit in my weight training and I usually say towards the end. And then I get asked, but I'm trying to improve my strength and my max strength. And my answer is, well, if you're a weightlifter, that's fine. Let's put that at the start if that's your aim. But if you're a climber, put it at the end because your priority is the climbing specific work. Yes, it's going to compromise your deadlifts, your bench press. But if that always comes at the start, then your body is training to be a weightlifter. If you're training to be a climber, flip it around. Mm. So, so far we've got finger intensive work at the start. That'll be anything like a fingerboard uh, max sessions where you're trying to improve strength. It'd be campus work or it'd be any sort of intense bouldering, such as board climbing or repetitions on like projects. Um, always at the start of the session. If you're doing a split session in the day, um, <clears throat> depending on what time you're training, they would come in the first session of that day as well um, in the same order. So making sure that the finger intensive work is the first thing that's done. Yeah, so on the other end of the spectrum, the uh, stuff that can be done uh, from sort of middle to later on the sessions <coughs> is your endurance work and some of, also some of your power endurance work. And there's a couple of elements to this which mean that it's good to do these later on the sessions is, one is that we are operating at a lower intensity compared to our maximum. So we're capable of targeting the right level of intensity for that session. So we can work at the intensity that we aimed for in that session. So that's okay, that's a great tick. Secondly, is that if you're working the longer end endurance work at the ends of the sessions and you're fatigued, it's a really good way of basically forcing your body to move more efficiently because you have such a sort of positive feedback in that if you move better, it makes you feel less tired when you're carrying some level of fatigue in the sessions. So it's a really good way of getting less efficient climbers to move a little bit more efficiently at the end we do get asked quite a bit, and this is whether it's with my personal clients or on social media about whether you can use endurance at the start of the sessions to kind of warm up. And I would say, yes, you definitely can. Keep it really short, but most importantly, you must keep this session super light, especially you boulderers out there. You tend to kind of overcook it a bit 
and going too hard on these light endurance sessions and then just affect the quality later on the sessions. So if you're gonna do this as part of your warm up at the start, keep it really, really light. There is no harm than going lighter than you think you could do. So the other end of the spectrum is how often do you wanna do those really high intensity aspects of the training? And this is where a lot of people can get confused. And if we release the outro, uh, the outtakes, you'll see that we've just had a chat about it as well. Um, so looking at those high intensity aspects of the session, so fingerboarding, uh, campusing or board climbing in particular. And I don't mean doing that for a whole session. I mean, maybe like a 15 minute fingerboard session or a 30, 45 minute board session, or just your set routine on a campus board, just those elements alone. A lot of our clientele would only be doing that up until around five times a week at max. So that's doing say a couple of fingerboard and one or two board sessions a week tends to be enough because you're getting a lot of high intensity work into your week doing that. A lot of people ask us when we say, like we said earlier, training five days a week, that doesn't mean that you have to do high intensity training every, every one of those sessions. That's what we might see at the max for those high, uh, high level athletes. Yeah, it's, still, it's a tricky, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and I think um, what's always really hard for us is when we're trying to explain this to everyone is that we know all of you out there are so varied in terms of your training history, what kind of climbing grades you're at, but you're desperate for knowledge on, but how many times do I train intensely in a week? And we want to give you something which gives you some kind of framework. And it's really, really hard to do it when you're taking a broad approach. And it just comes down to that thing about, if you're gonna do high intensity, you need to be recovered for that session. So in a way, you're best possible feedback is when you arrive on your Wednesday and you planned your high intensity session, do you feel recovered and do you feel like I can really go hard in this session or do you feel a bit cronky, a bit tweaky or just sore or not particularly good energy, just, uh, energy for that session, then that's probably a really good indication that you wouldn't go for that because it's, it's easy, isn't it, to go and hear on a video or see someone else's training plan who did three or four hard sessions across their week and go, and they just did their first V8. I want to do my first V8. I'm going to do that as well. Yeah. And just to copy that. And, and not changing elements out as well. So another example of a question we get is, oh, I'm going to go outside this weekend. I don't think I can fit everything in. If you're going to go and do an outside session or a comp session, that classes as one of those really intense times. Mm. You just can't fit all of that training in and still go into the outdoor session or comp feeling fresh, like Tom said. So you have to make sure that if you do one of those sessions, say I go outdoor bouldering and I'm just trying to do a problem, that classes as one of my board sessions, for example. So it means I would remove that from my training week because I know I've made up for it by going outside. And this is where you have to get used to what you can cope with and what the outdoor session actually feels like in replacing it. Um, but as a, we were thinking earlier, let's do a little bit of a challenge for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Anyone that wants to have their training week planned out for them. So if you've designed your own plan, if you've got a plan from us or anyone else even, um, and you want us to plan your week out for us, comment below and just say that I want my training, uh, training plan, my training week planned out. I'll get there. Um, comment that below and we'll contact you. And what we'll do is we'll get you to send us a load of your information about your family work and training schedule and we'll plan your week out and then we'll anonymously uh, read that out on the next Ask Lattice and we'll give you some advice on how to best structure your week around those elements of your life. 
Yeah, I think that, that, that'd be a good thing to do because then it gives you a specific example that you've given us and show you how we would structure that week. So yeah, let's go for that. Cool. Okay, well, um, hope you've enjoyed today. And as ever, um, don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you like this content and then you'll get notifications that we've released some new stuff. And we will see you again very soon. Bye.